thought we were just having him because we like him. Oh, no, well, no, we, we do like him um, quite a lot. But no, no, he, we, I thought we, this was going to be a continuation of the, sure, um, sounds good. Of the thingy. Um, oh, he, he needs a few minutes. So I can the, the thing is, I can't remember what the bloody hell we spoke about last time. Uh, you I, and I? Yeah, I remember you said that 5th um, edition is ugly. Yeah, it is. I, I said, yeah, I don't know. But since then, I've been taking a look at the books and I can totally see what you said. Yeah, the topography is awful. The whole thing looks rushed. I don't know. It, it looks like somebody completely messed up the page size. Because every single, um, or pretty much every single illustration that's not a full page illustration runs out of the page. Yeah. A lot. Well, I, I, that, I think that was a conscious decision to try to ground the work. That was a really bad decision, though. No, no. And that's what I said during the, while we were talking, actually. I said that. I said, some of these just look awful. You got the tip of a flute running off for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 know, could, I could guess they just didn't want anything just floating in space. They wanted everything grounded. But, but, but that's fine. However, there are ways and ways of grounding things. And, and making a third of the illustration run out of the page is not the right way of grounding anything. That's just yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. bullshit. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. I, I have bells. Look. Um, somebody gave me a bell. Nice. Are, are you going to use that every time you say bullshit? Yeah, bullshit. Yay! <laughs> now we're real radio station. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> this could get so tedious. Johnny in the past. Bullshit. <laughs> Fantastic. You're listening to Johnny in the past. Bullshit. <laughs> Johnny's missing all this. This, is, this is. is gold. This that, is gold. This is the best we've ever been. Yes, I know. I'm thank God I'm already recording it. Uh, you know what? I can. That's why I could hear myself so soft because I have my fan turned on. All right. Can you can you hear the quiet now? No, you're talking. There's an Italian and a Spaniard in the room. How could I hear quiet? The Italian is the voice in your head. That's nothing to do with me. <laughs> Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> Johnny in the past. Bullshit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, um. So two of my favorite radio guys. Um. Well, the only two radio guys I've liked in the history of radio, Mark and Brian. They were on the radio together for 25 years in Southern California, and they just retired. And uh, I think it's a sad day. I didn't really listen to them of late because I moved up here, but. They were an institution, Mark and Brian, and they didn't do any of that kind of stuff. They Even were they. really on the air. They would, they would just challenge one another, and they'd come up with skits. The skits was that? Um, uh, little comedy routines. They would pretend they were somebody, and they would, you know, read from a script they'd written the day before. You know, uh, we're going to do something similar for our, our Spanish podcast. We're going to have um, uh, my friend Tony is going to have. Um, Albert Troll, um, which is going to be, a, he's a troll, uh, a physical troll who's going to be doing really, really bad reviews of things. I think absolutely horrific reviews of, of, of taking the pace and putting things down just for the sake of putting it, just like any, any troll would do. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the games master. I'm going to be talking <laughs> about, wait a second. 
I'm going to be talking about I Am Zombie. I Am Zombie is a game in which you are not fully alive. Your blood is not pumping through your veins. You can feel the lust in your dice as you hold them and shake them in your hand to throw them all over the bed and do with your dice everything you always wanted to do with your grandmother. Oh, I'm not going to be tuning in. That kind, I'm, that kind of reviews. We're going to be. Yeah. Doing. Oh wow, that is. <sighs> but anyway, so yeah, that we we're going to have that that sort of um. We, oh, I haven't said bullshit yet. Uh, I have um that sort of um our review. So maybe we should do something like that. We we should have each one of us should have a character, and every podcast we should have we should make it in character. <laughs> Oh my god. So I killed the. I was. I tried to cast Magic Missile and get there with the orc and then. And then this spell, it only did 1d4 plus 1. Oh yes, I like that idea and, very much. I think that idea would work like mad. And, and, and I only rolled a 1, so it didn't kill the orc. So we had to keep fighting. Him. Him. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. <laughs> I like that. It's very, very much. How did you roll the die? Tell me, tell me. <laughs> oh. I swear, that, that's going to be our April's Fool thing. All right. Or that's our, great. Or, or, I think the Christmas absolutely special. we should do that for April Fool's. The Christmas special. Hi, this is Jim Pinto from Post World Games, and we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh, this is Paco. This is Paco from GMS Magazine. I like Dungeons and Dragons. I like Dungeons and Dragons. And I have a bell. I have a bell. Excuse me, Paco. I was about to explain to them how Dungeons and Dragons works. Ooh, ooh. Oh, how does it work, Jim? Tell them. First, I am the Dungeon Master, and you are the player. Oh, how do I play? <laughs> well, first of all, someone in your group or party needs to be the caller. This is the only person that I, as the dungeon master, interact with. Do you understand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember rules for callers? Do you I remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, my God, what an awful idea. What, what, what was it? That's what it was. I, c I only talk to you, the caller. Okay. As, as the game master only talks to the caller. So the caller gets all the information from the players as to what they're going to do. And then the caller talks to the game master. So the game master isn't talking to everybody, just the caller. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, that, that sounds like a really shitty, shitty idea. Yeah. And so the caller is the one saying, okay, the party is doing this now. The game, a game master says, okay, blah, blah, blah. Dippity doo. And did, did that work at all? Say again? Did that work at all? Oh, I never used those rules. It sounded horrible when yeah. I was... I, I, we, you know, even as kids, we, when I was 12 years old, I knew I wanted to interact with everybody. That just didn't make any sense. Why would I... I didn't know the word interact, but I knew that the caller was just a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, involving somebody like that in the game. No. No, 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 that's bad. I'm getting into character again. How exciting is that? I, I'm going to say something really, I, I don't know how any other way to say this. 
but I think that the, you are now seeing a class division in gaming between people who can afford bullshit like that yep. and people who can't. Yes. And the people who can't afford that bullshit are the people that play Pathfinder, the people that play Money Cook games, the people that play Watsy products. The people with money to just throw away at bullshit are playing, ironically, the stupidest games out there. And the people without money are playing the smarter stuff because the smarter stuff is cheaper. You know, there could be a podcast episode in there. Hello. Oh, yeah, that's going to upset some people. Hey, Johnny. How's it going? Hello. Hello. What's going on? What's well, happening? We, we were just talking about um, um, Invisible Sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very um, good. And uh, Jim was saying, I kind of agree with him. Why do you have a little... Johnny, one second. You want me to repeat it? Wait a second, John uh, Hawkson. Yeah. What? Yeah. what? Sky is, <laughs> well, Skype is shit. It's telling me, John, that you cannot join this conversation because you haven't updated Skype. That's kind of weird, given because that you I'm are in, in the conversation. conversation. Yeah. I so, think I am, anyway. I think you are, like, Schrodinger Skype. You are yeah. both... I, I was praying that he wouldn't, but clearly <laughs> he should. Yeah. I'm a science Clearly. guy. Um... So anyway, Jim, say, say what you were saying. Say what you were saying. Oh, you want to hear what I was saying, John, before you came in? Was that? Yeah. Are we, do, uh, are we doing the show now? Have I come into the show or no. is this no, no, pre-show? No, no, we haven't started yet. I'm, I'm just recording just in case we say something yeah. absolutely amazing. Some amazing. You can yeah. edit in. Okay. I'll, yeah. you know. So awesome. I, I have a theory <laughs> and uh, Paco is saying that we should talk about it at some point. Hmm. I think that the game industry is being divided into two classes, people who can afford bullshit games and people who can't. I think that's a better way of saying it, Paco. What's like a bullshit? Yeah, yeah, bullshit. There's the there's the bell. Um, there's there's either games that are just overly produced and over the top, and I'm going to use the new Invisible Sun as an example. It's $200 for a $5 idea. And if you're in the indie scene, you already play that game on po on index cards and you don't need to spend $200 to, to do that thing. And you're probably in the indie scene because you can't afford to play products like Pathfinder and uh, Invisible Sun and any of these Watsy giants. It's $150 to get into Dungeons & Dragons now. And I think you're seeing a class division between people playing overly produced dumb games and not overly produced really smart games because – people that are making smart games aren't selling as many so they're charging only five bucks for them anyway that's my theory yeah okay i was gonna say i'm glad you you mentioned that it was a class thing because is is it not though that the indie games are just hipsters drinking water in cafes do you know what i mean it's, well i, I don't I buy it a, i don't buy that the, 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 i make the, a lot the, of that stuff so i'm not sitting yeah. in a cough cafe because no, i can't not, afford you're to not. In the cafe you, oh you i absolutely all my stuff is it's not directed at hipsters, but it fits into the hipster model. Yeah. Um, and I don't buy that they're doing it the way they're doing it because they don't have the money. I think they're doing it because they like that oh. thing. Okay. I don't think, I think you're assigning a lot of virtue to. Oh, I, well, I wasn't trying to assign. Indiness. <laughs> yeah. Fiasco is an awful game, but people love it and it fits into that really cheap yeah. model. All those playsets were free for a long time until he realized they, he could monetize them. They do, yeah. There, there is a lot of, you know, you're right. There is a lot of um, 
underpricing that goes on in the indie side of things. I mean, I'm always very cautious about that division because I think it's bullshit. Because um, okay. what, you know, what, what the hell does indie I'm, mean? I'm charging $3 for a protocol because yeah. otherwise people won't buy them. Yeah, but is that what's the, what's the danger of you know sort of promise of quality with a higher price? Are you ruling out customers by pricing it too cheaply? Uh, depends what depends how much you've. Tried, I don't know. I, guess. I it, it's a thirty-two page PDF. I if I go up to five dollars, am I really going to see uh, I don't a think better return on my investment when I'm yeah. only selling? I think you ten will of these a month anyway. You will see a better return on this of the investment because you will be saying the same things, but you will be making two bucks more out of each game. So, yeah, you will see something like that. I don't think I'll have the same amount of sales at three dollars. There's that. an opportunity for somebody to pick it up that would have definitely you, pick it up. Have you? I mean, we're just we're just obviously just picking on you now, Jim. Yes. But have you tried it? Just out of interest, have you tried it? Of course not. Um, just increasing all of my prices on no, my products. no, just increase some of them. And then and go this one that costs more is the really good one. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm oh. pretty awful. I do, you know, I think I'm going to come across quite badly because I really like high-end, expensive, overproduced games. Yeah, you know? yeah. I right. think they're great. It's a luxury item, so yeah. I don't want luxury items that smell like ass. <laughs> right. Oh, but I, I, and I think that's the difference, though. With protocol, I'm selling a game experience. I'm not selling. It's just a PDF, right? It, I'm just going to be your so, business manager. <laughs> if I had time, I would love that job. Actually, honestly, well, I would love that. Yeah, job. I think we would. Paco really wants it too because no, no, no. I do not want that. I, I want your marketing and our director job. I don't want your yeah. business manager to just share the business. Yeah, great. Awesome. <laughs> right. Let's, let's just do it. Let's do the show right here. Let's do yeah. that. Give me a second. Let's 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 get this show started then. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the GMS Magazine podcast, The RPG Room, a podcast where we talk about or rumble or discuss or, or, or just mumble about role-playing games because, you know, that's that's what we like to do. This is a very special episode, though, because I am, as usual, in, in the Steam company uh, of uh, Jim Pinto. Hi, Jim. Hey. Uh, I'm in Steam because it's very hot where you are and you're probably sweaty and disgusting. <laughs> Not yet, but it's going to get here, yeah. I thought so. But today, it's very, very, very special. Very special. Um, because uh, you remember, listeners, in, in the in last episode, how uh, Jim and I were talking about stinky graphics and how uh, our direction in a awful lot of board games on role-playing games, role-playing games, board game, fuck them, uh, should be a lot better and they're kind of crap and even very high-end products tend to have some really bad design decisions and graphic design tend to be pretty shit and uh, Jim was saying how D&D is really ugly and I was saying well you know because I haven't seen it but now I've seen it and I don't entirely agree with him but I kind of you know see what he was talking about so because we were saying all these things and a lot more uh, and you shut up Jim uh, and you should listen to that podcast because we were actually pretty good um, <laughs> I just know where this intro is going <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> we I wish I knew where it was going. Design. Anyway, anyway, because we were so, <laughs> so so we because we were so good at that episode, uh, and somebody grasped us up, and and went all the way to the RPG stratosphere of cubicle serving and said, oh, oh, look, 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 they're talking about you, they're talking about you, they're talking about you. So we had somebody from cubicle serving say, ah, 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 I want to be in your podcast about and and, and talk about that as well. And I said, okay, hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. That's an interesting version of what happened. <laughs> 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 that 
that's one way to look at it. We have no, different I, definitions of the word interesting, I think. <laughs> so, so, so I don't do too much radio ventriloquism. Um, yeah, I'm John Hodgson. I'm the creative director at Cubicle 7. Uh, I heard the show because I listened to the show. There's nobody came <laughs> running cheaply to tell me about the show. I listen, I'm a long-time listener. What? second time caller I don't okay. know but, yeah, um, no, this is but, but yeah, yeah because Jim was like really said really disgustingly confusing nice things about me so I thought I should come on and put the record straight because that was a little bit weird I okay. don't like compliments but before before we I, start I don't like giving them John I know so <laughs> that's why it's you weird. can imagine how difficult all of that was to say awkward very awkward he felt very awkward I I, I know because um, he told me later on that you know he, should, he felt like should we at least tell people our past John how long we've known each other oh it's okay. really long time actually yeah yeah it's like you know before probably most of the listeners were born even oh come so, on don't i mean most it. of that compliment was just it's because i know you yeah don't don't get a big head <laughs> oh my god this like... i had to pick somebody so yeah, I picked... just, yeah. yeah you know I, I think in this episode i'm just going to sit back and let the two of you just go after it, i think <laughs> just, just have I... at it I no, because we've John worked together since what? Two, two, 1999, in fact. Yeah. The work yeah. started in I remember the first time. I remember how long you were sending me your portfolio. And I remember the first time I hired you. I actually had to go to the CFO and ask, should I take a risk on this guy? Because this I idiot. really like what he's doing, but the owner is going to get pissed off if it doesn't match up to his perceptions of what paladins should look like. So wait a second, Jim. I have a question. I have two two questions. One one for John and one for you. Uh, mm -hmm. Firstly, John, who crossed us up? Who told you that we have been talking about you? Nobody. I was just, no. That's not true. Actually, Sam Manley, our one, one of our staff artists, uh, dropped me a line and said that you guys were talking about me and that I should listen, which I took immediately to mean <laughs> that there was you know lies and terrible, terrible slander going on. Um, you know, and then I was rather touched to find that you were just being really nice. But we're always nice about you. Yeah, always. I don't. I don't think. I don't. Well, Jim doesn't really say many bad things about anyone because he's a coward. And <laughs> because I'm a coward. Oh my God. That is the first word I think of when I think of Jim Primo. Is coward. Definitely. That was great. That was the best. That was the best slam you ever had there, yeah. my friend. Um, that was good. And, and I don't say many bad things about people because I cannot think about them quickly enough. So um, we normally only say nice things about people, and we always say nice things about you. The only bad thing I've ever said about you, and it's not bad either. And I think I've told so you. Don't be going all honest on me now. That's really no, no, no. I, th I think the only thing that could potentially be slightly controversial in a British kind of way would be that I think you are a better art director than artist. Oh, that's right. I don't mind yeah, that. Exactly. I, that's true. That's true. I think. I hope. Do yeah. I hope that? I don't know if I hope that. I spent a long time doing art, so it's kind of hard to just like <laughs> toss it off and go, oh, well, <laughs> move well, no, on. But you, but I, mean, no, I, you... think, I think you're probably, you know, objectively, that uh, I find that hard to argue. My wife says that. She says I'm much better at like the creative direction, art direction than the artist. And I was like, oh, thanks. And you, thanks and don't get me wrong, you are a fantastic artist. No, I, yeah, I, right. Yeah, you I are. Do a, I do a specific kind of thing. Do you well, know what I mean? And it's certainly not everyone's cup of tea. And that's are, right because yeah. pff, get it up. <laughs> Can I set the record straight here? Can I set the record straight? I doubt it. <laughs> Before we started recording, listeners, yeah. they were tearing me apart. Yes. So Paco has no problem tearing people apart. It's no. just once he hits that record button. 
he has to be really nice to the guests. So that's really what's going on here. I don't believe a word of what's happening. Okay. <laughs> it's like, get back in the hole. <laughs> what gets the hose. No, I, John, I am absolutely so freaking jealous of your talent and what has happened in the last 15 years of watching you grow and what you're up. doing now. I, yeah. Staggering. It pisses me off, actually. Good. No, but do you know what? I, I mean, this... this Let's make people really vomit. I learned so much from you. Oh, definitely. Oh, Jesus. Definitely. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think you and, and it was funny because you mentioned uh, Sarah Robinson mm-hmm. from Paizo, and I learned huge amounts from Sarah. I mean, the, the, that kind of number one rule that I use in art direction that I try, well, I try to keep to is, is kind of always say yes. You know, as much as you possibly can, say yes to artists. Say yes to artists and no to everybody else in the company, yeah. particularly writers. Okay. Yeah, get absolutely. out of the art department. Now, now I, I have I have to tell a story. Oh, I have God. to tell a story. Uh, everybody knows William O'Connor. Uh, no. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Will got um, uh, he was he's an artist. He's a really big artist here in the states. You don't see him in games much anymore, Paco. But he got an uh, an art direction piece for a monster manual book that they were doing at Watsi. And the art description is: this thing is so big, badass, and terrifying. Nobody has ever survived encountering it, so nobody knows what it looks like. Okay, I know now who he is because I can see some of his work and I can recognize it. So, yeah, okay. and that was the art description. How do you as an artist draw something that's going to make that writer happy? It's tricky, isn't it? And it it's not, well, it's it, not a description, is it? It's not a, it's yeah. not a visual description. It's a yeah. very, you know, it's a great piece of writing. It's a great concept. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, 100%. Like, right. you know, I'm, I'm going to make a bit of a joke about it being mean to writers and stuff. I don't mean that that you know the no, backpedal. Yeah. Um but but when it comes to the art department, it's like you really, really need people that know what they're doing so you don't get that kind of confusion with literary ideas versus visual ideas. Um yeah, I had years and years of from from a particular company of uh descriptions of things like, you know, the the person that the, the subject of the piece almost appears to be screaming. They're almost turning round, or the phone rings and they answer it. I mean, like, I can't do these things in images, you know. It's or, or black fire casting black yeah. light everywhere. Black fires, the black fires, stupid. Black fire in a poorly lit dungeon doesn't. It doesn't look very good. Silver fire doesn't particularly look good. Inside you know, a crystal ball on a busy yeah. desk. Yeah, on a mirror lake with the six-armed <laughs> goddess fighting oh. the. Yeah, the. By the, the way, we're going to be. We're printing this on a postage stamp, so make sure everything's clear. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, let's let's focus anyway, a little sorry. bit because we we are we are at the moment um, all over the place, uh, and we are not even having a drink. Imagine if we were having a well, beer. Speak for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. <laughs> How do I prove that I've got a bottle of beer on my? I'm tapping a bottle of beer with my uh, stylus from my graphics tablet. That's not really very. Uh, I need it to make a noise. Luckily, I have another beer here. <laughs> In which, look, there you go, that's the sound of beer bottles. And if you keep hitting it, you are going to need another graphics tablet. It's, yeah, it's been a long day. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, carry anyway, on. So, uh, let, let's focus a little bit. Uh, in, in It's slightly more serious matter. Last episode, Jim and I were discussing, you know, why and, and how there is so, so bad graphic design and artwork in in RPGs and how so many times, even in products that look very glossy, if you don't know what you're looking at, you, you may not even notice. You know, like some of the stuff that Jim was saying regarding the uh, the D and D fifth edition books, where it is true that you have an awful lot of illustrations that go off page. That it seems like they're trying to frame it or ground it or whatever it is, but it just 
doesn't really work if you know what what you're looking at. Now, um, I am a massive, massive advocate for people to just don't do it. If it's not your job, don't do the graphic design, don't do the layout, don't do the artwork, don't do the art direction. It, just don't do it. Go and let somebody else uh, do it because you're just going to end up with, with a piece of shit, um, basically. And um, that is quite interesting, me saying that in front of Jim. Jim, explain why. Uh, there's a number of reasons why. One, you want my job. Um, but uh, two, you're right. Um, if you are trying to do too many things, you're losing perspective. And art is one of those things where you have to stop and pull back and look at it a number of different times. Um, it, it's far removed from when you did the work, right? If you lay something out on a Monday, you need to wait till Friday to really examine what you did um, because you need that time and perspective. That's that's at least my philosophy. John may have a different philosophy on it. But I, I think I spend a lot of time where I, I will build a, the template for how I'm going to lay out a book before I even start writing it. And that'll give me time as I'm writing it to examine whether or not I even like this layout anymore. Do I like these sidebars? Do I like these textures I'm using? And so on. And I think you really need to take that time. And if you're not capable of doing that, you need to have somebody else doing it for you. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. I think that the distance thing is is really, really vital because when, you, when you're making something, sort of half of the thing is in your head. You know, you're, you're imagining what you want, want it to look like and you get as close as you can or maybe stuff starts to develop as, as you're producing something, you know, sometimes in opposition to what you're imagining. But, but your imagining is really tied up with what you're looking at. And, you know, if you study a little bit about the way we see and all that kind of stuff, it's all going on in your brain. You don't see in your yeah. eyes. So you can't trust that for a second, you know. So, right. yeah, get, getting away from it is really – and I think there's a lot of it, – it's very easy to, to, to kid yourself that because you did it, it's good. And I mean that for, for, for me, for, for Jim as well, I'm sure for yeah. Chico, you know, um, that if you did something, yeah, because you're highly invested in it. And if you, you know, if you've done something and you meant it as you did it, you know, it was honestly made work. Well, you should be quite invested in it, shouldn't you? You should think it's good. Um, it's very tiresome. That kind of totally putting yourself down all the time is silly and I think dishonest. You know, you should be excited about what you're making. But then that also means, yeah, you need a bit of critical distance. Otherwise, right. you know. And don't get that you know people get all defensive on them it's like oh yeah well i did it all myself i'm not trained blah blah it's like yeah it doesn't mean an awful lot to the customer does it if they're paying the same amount of money as a mm. you know whatsy product or what have you or right. pick, pick pick a publisher whose work you like you know they're paying the same as as that company and just because you did it yourself doesn't help them <laughs> I want to talk briefly about that idea that that doesn't mean anything to the customer because I've been arguing that for about 20 years that too much time is spent behind the scenes arguing about bullshit that does not affect the customer because the customer doesn't know the difference between wait, a wait, character having wait, black wait, hair or red hair wait, shut, in shut, your plans. Wait, 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 wait. What do you say there? You heard me. I, I don't remember it, but you heard me. Oh, you said I'm, I'm saying that the customer doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yes. Sorry. They know the final product, right? And pick a game. I don't care what game. Well, let's use Shadowrun because I always make fun of it. <laughs> um, the customer doesn't know the difference until the product is in their hand that the Panther Cannon was originally going to be called the, the Dancing Cannon, right? Or that trolls were originally going to be ogres or that 
whatever elves were originally going to have penises on their noses and somebody decided oh yeah no that's silly we don't want to do that and there was probably an argument internally about all of that and at the end of the day it does not matter one iota because the consumer only knows the final product so if an artist turns in a piece of art and the hair isn't exactly right for you the writer who the fuck cares the consumer doesn't know any different you're hanging on to these cherries that you don't want to let go of and it's the consumer that you're making the product for at that level. And I, I cannot believe how many conversations I've had to have commissioning so many pieces of art for so many different writers where somebody argues, well, I don't really like her eyebrows. I think they need to – nobody cares. The piece of art is fantastic. I don't care that you don't like her eyebrows. I'm not sending it back to the artist to fix your eyebrow fetish. The consumer is going to love this piece. John, uh, how, how, you, how what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of tricky. I mean, uh, I am British. You might be able to tell from my voice. So obviously I'm a bit less confrontational now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> behind the scenes, I'm, I am very, very British. You know, behind the scenes, you just got to imagine there's some sort of dude in a red coat in India. You know what I mean? It's like, it's appalling. Um, I'm, I'm a horrible person. Uh, but, but I'll pretend to be really polite and less... <laughs> direct than I actually am, um, but yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I would. I wouldn't want to sort of pick out artists. It's, uh, sorry, I wouldn't want to pick out writers too much because hey, some of my best friends are writers. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think there's you can get too caught up in the sort of journey to from A to B, you know, or, or the journey from say A to E, you know, that you end on E, and and sure, behind the scenes you've gone all around the houses, you've been to B, C, and D. None of that necessarily matters they're all vital steps to getting to e but but it doesn't necessarily show in the work and yet kill your darlings and all that kind of good stuff i i have to tell this story i was art directing three collectible card games and four role-playing games at the same time when this happened the saber tooth games you remember them they were working yeah. on the warhammer yeah the, the card game the they, they were doing a ccg for them i think at some point yeah um their art director, my my boss at Asshat had been there, and he had seen that the art director had taken a sketch and shown the evolutionary steps that that sketch had gone through to finally get to the point that it was Warhammer Fantasy looking, right? And you can imagine, John, what that means, right? You just yeah. keep putting more rivets and and shoulder pads on things until it's it fits their model, their look. And he came back from that and said, I want to start seeing this outside your cubicle wall. I want to see art doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm commissioning 500 pieces of art a month. I'm writing art descriptions for these. I'm writing on my own game line, and I'm working with your writers and everybody else on the staff. Not only am I not going to do that because I don't have time, two, that's grandstanding. That has nothing to do with the process. All I'm doing is showing off to the rest of my staff that I'm putting artists through their paces and making them draw 10 sketches for me before I'm happy. That's that that doesn't serve the final product at all and you there was so much ego wrapped up in making us look good internally at, at things that nobody was ever going to see i can't um, i can't even explain to you how many arguments i had to have like that one and that's just one story but this constant need to show everybody what i'm doing i don't have time to show everybody what i'm doing and if everybody else were working hard they wouldn't have time to show me what they're doing I did actually yeah two two kind of related stories that I totally agree. One is I went through a process. I mean we're going back a long time now, well to 2011 maybe. Um, I was working part time 
at Cubicle 7. And I realized I was spending a lot of time preparing documents for internal use that served no function at all. Um, that that were, were just about showing that work was getting done, which, you know, actually that's, it was showing that work was getting done to the wrong, it was being shown to the wrong people that right. didn't didn't need to know whether I was doing the work or not. Do you know what I mean? I was doing the work when, when it comes to the relationship with my boss, that, that sort of between me and them, you know, do they trust me or do they not? I don't need to prove that I'm doing the work to various other people in along the line. So yeah, totally hear you on that one. Um, and yeah, to try, trying to keep the, I think there's something positive for creativity in keeping it quite stripped down and tr and trusting people as well. Trusting people to do their job is, in, is important rather than, yeah. Otherwise you, you get into sort of vul vulgar displays of power, don't you? Where it's like, I can make you do this. And yeah, and, and and as hat was run like a high school, right? Where you had the cliques and you had the cool kids, and it I was so upset. I get so upset with your ass hat stories because I had such a nice time working for that company and you, and you, and hats off to you because yeah. I never knew at all what a bad time you had there. Um, so I, I was a bit yeah. I kept everybody protected from that, so yeah. I was feeling the stress in both directions, right? Yeah, when you guys yeah. were bitching at me that you weren't getting paid or that the work was difficult, or the bosses were bitching at me that I wasn't doing enough. Apparently um, I was getting the stress in both directions and I never told anybody that was working for me what was going on. And I certainly mm -hmm. didn't tell them which one of you guys was troublemakers. Cause I didn't want anybody to get a, to lose a job. Yeah. Who was it? Who was the troublemakers? Tell me now. No, I bet, oh, I, I, bet I can um, name some of them. I mean, uh, people, Co people Ed I like actually, Ed Cox actually got banned at one point, and Ed Ed knows this, so I'm not right. you know, name dropping here. But Ed wrote a letter that ended up in the wrong hands, and right. they said, "Oh yeah, you can't talk about the CFO that way, so you're done." Ooh. And I didn't even know about it until the CFO came into my my cubicle and said, "Ed can't Cox isn't working here anymore." See, I think I learned that we're just sorry, Packer. We're totally rambling on no, old this is reminiscences, this but, is but it's interesting stuff because if if the CFO is who I think you're talking about. I learned very early on to have a very good relationship with that person and was highly solicitous to that person, which was good to learn early on because you always, always be nice to the people in accounts. If you're a freelancer, find out who their names are, talk yeah. to them, don't talk to the AD, there's no point. Talk to the, the head of accounts if you can and, and yeah. be friendly with them. And act like you're not just going. Where's my freaking money? You know, ask them how their right. day's going, and and I bet it's stressful for them, and all that kind of stuff. And then you'll find you actually get paid. There's a couple of big companies I know I was on different payment schedules than most of the other artists because I took time out of my day to to butter them up. And I mean, I meant it. I'm not. I wasn't totally cold. You know, it must be a pretty crappy job being chased for invoices. I mean, I am now, and it is a crappy job. Um, so yes. It's about making it work for you, you know. Right, right. But if I'm paying you two dollars to do a piece of art, you asking you to also be nice about it is yeah, yeah. probably pushing it. So you chose to be nice, even though you were being paid yeah. shit wages. Yeah, yeah. Learned a lot though. It was a kind of subsidized, you know. How many cards did I do? I probably did. I did well over a hundred cards for you, definitely across yeah. Yeah. multiple games. So that was a good. It was a good training. Um, I think you know. Yeah, no, and and that's how I treated it, right? As the art director, mm -hmm. I looked at my job like a a, a booker at wrestling or or a, a carny, 
you know, I've got my A-list guys and I've got my B-list guys and my C-list guys, and I know who to give what kind of work to, and I know how to put – if these people want to make it in the gaming industry, I know how to put these C-level people through their paces, stretch yeah. them, push them. I know they're getting paid shit, but if they want to get better, they're going to listen to what I'm saying right now because uh, it was the one thing I knew how to do at that yeah. company. And uh, I think a lot of people walked out of there with a uh, with an education and they either chose to leave the industry or they're, you know, um, they're Drew Baker. Drew Baker is a perfect yeah. example of somebody that came in the door with, with talent, but not a lot of, um, not a lot of the rigors yet of how to do this um, daily, the grind. And now, geez, he blows everybody away now. <laughs> and those Star Wars paintings he does are just brilliant. It was so yeah. nice. I got got a chance to talk to him at Gen Con, and it's so I really love Drew. I think he's a brilliant guy, and he's a I just, jerk, you know, and I hate him. <laughs> I just do, doing a massive painting of Darth Vader is a really yeah. good idea, and it's a really good idea because that's almost the entirety of it. It happens to be an absolutely beautifully done paint, massive painting of Darth Vader, but just that single fact, it's giant, you know, and the layers in it and everything, but, you know, it's, that massive painting is just genius. I think that's just so clever, so smart by keeping it really, really simple. Yeah, and it makes you feel like you're four when you look at that painting. <laughs> and, and it gets you to come to the booth, right? You don't yeah. know who he is. It's genius yeah. marketing because he's not himself talking about how great he is. He's letting that painting speak yeah. for yeah, his yeah, talents. And you, know, and you I, come I, to the booth and, oh, Darth Vader, I love Star Wars. You know, I, I, I don't think Drew would mind me saying this. You know, it, He's not necessarily the most vivacious salesman because he's put his <laughs> – character generation points into painting you know <laughs> and he's not wasted them on being a live wire that's going to sell you his work so that piece really works hard for him all, all the other pieces he's done like them really good yeah yeah and i'm totally with you isn't it nice seeing him so amazing at painting now isn't that great yeah yeah, good yeah. i'll tell you who else was that one of i believe one of your old bunch uh, chris seaman holy oh, yeah. cow chris. holy cow he like just well, yeah. I don't know, probably probably terrifyingly 10 years ago or something now. But one day it was just like suddenly he just went boom into the stratosphere. It was around 2006 and I had been out of the industry for a couple of years and I saw one of his paintings he'd done for the box cover of a game, board game. Yeah. And I said, there's no way that's Chris Seaman. There's no way. No, like, and not. yeah, he just exploded overnight. There was a toggle went off. <laughs> Brilliant. What are we supposed to be talking about? What we're doing? We're, oh, we're, why? Oh, I've got a theory. Do you want yeah. to hear my theory? What, what theory um, is that? Well, it's not. It's not actually my theory. This is like well-known stuff, but I'll pretend I've made it up. So, why <laughs> you I can't think... pretend now? You ruined it. You yeah. just ruined it. I You're no good at this. Telling the joke backwards. Um, <laughs> so, there are in this theory there are kind of three stages to um, a person's powers of creativity, and you start at imitation and. Uh, you know, you know, all artists learn to work where any anybody doing anything really learns any skill by imitation first of all and then you do modification um which sometimes called emulation as well where you, you know you change a few bits and bobs in what you've copied and then finally once you've been doing that for a long time you can get to innovation but i suspect most people working taking the art direction role in role-playing games do not make it past imitation and i'm not sure that all of them want to i think they want to make the products that they enjoyed when they were kids and they think they do that by uh yeah imitation by repeating the same tropes without necessarily understanding them 
I, I think you just described 90% of the hobby, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's about recapturing when I was 15 and playing my D&D yeah. campaign, which I did, and it was brilliant. Honestly, my God, I'm not knocking it, but it's no way to make products. I know I shouldn't say products. Right. I should say games. But Well, no, because a lot of people are just making product. Yeah. I think that's okay. I think that distinction is very important. Yeah, uh, we talk about that all the time. Paco and I argue all the time about the difference because he wants to see me making product. Yeah, and I just want to make games, and so <laughs> he wants to see you making products, and you're an idiot, <laughs> and I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you're not an idiot. Uh, I I think that there is there's so much derivative work because we're constantly stuck in this emulation route that when people see something truly innovative, they don't know how to react to it because it doesn't look like their childhood. I had a good moment. I was sat in the, it wasn't a good moment, it was a terrible moment, but after it became good, I was sat in the Ennies two years ago, and I was, I mean, that's a whole other story. I was so cross, because we had a cover, oh no, we had some books we had submitted, and a couple of the covers I thought were, were up there, and, and good pieces, of work, and quite innovative pieces of work, and what won in the end was, technically I regard as a very, very poor piece it's flat as a pancake but it has certain elements that the voting public are gonna like and go for every single time um i'm being circumspect because i don't want to insult the people that won because that's a whole other thing it's not about that it's just <laughs> and i was sat there going these people voting don't know anything about artwork and then actually i had a sort of damascene moment went no they don't they don't why should they do you know what i mean that's my job and yes i probably know a bit more about cover art than the any judges or most of the people voting and the proof of that is the amount i get paid every month to know about that stuff mm. and but the really good bit it was where i went and that's okay you know what i mean i don't need the medal to tell me that i'll check my bank account at the end of the month you know that's a really <laughs> horrible way to end that story but yeah. but that's the truth of it you know and 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 that's how i learned to stop hating not winning awards cover of cthulhu britannica london box set prime example that was not one in that year but that the prime example no one would vote for that i think it's a really good piece of work that is a fucking amazing piece of work dude yeah I well it's not a, it's not a fake 3d it's not a fake oil painting made digitally with a 3d logo put on the top top 25 percent. but I, I think i told you about that cover when when you first showed it to me and i put mm. it right away on, on my computer screen i thought i i want a poster of that thing that is so simple and so goddamn beautiful yeah but you know but it won't well it you know it's had its chance to be nominated for cover well it's actually that's not true it did that product was nominated for um at least shortlisted for every single art prize there was uh, either production values or art this year. So hey, I'm telling lies when I'm saying it doesn't get recognised. But in a public vote, it w it wouldn't win well, because the, it's not a great big tentacle monster. You know what I mean? Well, and the thing is, I think you hit the nail on the head when when you said that the, the overwhelming majority majority of people they just don't know about artwork. They don't know about graphic design. They don't know about anything. Uh, the problem is that most people think they know, but they don't. Uh, and, and that, I think, is the biggest problem in RPGs. And personally, I feel that the Ennies and most other um, awards out there, 
they're just popularity contest and they're bollocks you know they they don't really <laughs> serve for anything other than boost the sales or the products that get the prize but they do, are do you not... think they do you think they boost the sales <laughs> i've got some figures here that strongly suggest they don't <laughs> really I, I don't know I'm, I'm i'm guessing that the reason to go for a for an award is that because they're going to be sell be selling more after they win the award um, because of the popularity, people will hear about them and think, oh, okay, that's it. But definitely, an award like the Ennis is, is not, a, a, by any stretch of the imagination, a quality benchmark setting for anything. It's a, it's a funny one. I, I wrote, before this year's Ennis, I wrote at some length on Facebook, that, and I kept qualifying it. There's the qualifier that I really want to put across. I really like the Ennis. You know, it's a good, fun night. It was a bit. It was a bit weird this year, but it was. It's a good fun night, and it's nice to, you know, reward people that have done well. And it's time to stop and sort of go, hey, these these people did some good stuff, and I love it from that. And people work very hard to make the Ennies happen, and I absolutely am not criticising the Ennies as such. What I would criticise is if you take it too seriously, or you feel like your work is slighted when it doesn't win an any or you know all that stuff i think is you know absolutely very important to hang on to well, but I, it's not you know I, I, yeah it's not it's not an objective measure no I, I think i mean the, the end is as far as i'm concerned what truly matters is to be nominated because those are mm -hmm. the things that go through a panel of judges who know more or less about games but at the very very least you know that they have taken all the products, uh, they've taken all the games, they've listened to the podcasts, they've taken a look at all the websites. Uh, and of all the people who submit and all the games that mm. are submitted, they decide, well, these are the best five that we can see. Yep. So for me, that is, is what truly matters. But to then leave it to the public, when they can vote for products that they haven't even seen, I've voted for an awful lot of Cubicle 7 and Pelgrane uh, products because you know you, you're mates yeah. and I like you yeah. and I want you to win, even if I haven't seen them. So uh, I just that's why I don't think that the N is by any means of the imagination a benchmark to what gaming quality is like or should be like. I quite, I quite liked that the Origins Awards introduced a sort of judges category and a public vote category because I think they're they're different animals, mm. aren't they? Those two things. I think it's quite it's nice. One reflects how good you are at making friends with the public, and the other one proves how good you are. Full stop. How many drinks you bought in yeah. the bar? <laughs> with your PR. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many people from the judging panel you've employed in the last 12 months? <laughs> it's nothing like that. Oh, that's a joke. Please give us more Origins Awards. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be so Why? So. Uh, I, 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 are we going to continue talking about awards? Because I have no. Let's no, talk, no, let's talk about okay, graphics. Come no, on, that's what I'm going to incriminate myself horribly. I love well, it. I was I love just going to say, I think that the the Origins Awards doesn't mean anything anymore. It used to be the the flagship award that you would want to win, but because they change the criterion every single year as to how you can win an award, my Origins Award is nothing like your Origins Award. Yeah, they my... have nothing to do with one another. My, my Origins Awards are true and just and an exact reflection <laughs> yep, of exactly, rightness, exactly. and your yeah, ones are bad yeah, and wrong. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Let's let's talk stinky graphics. Um, let, yeah. why, why don't we try? Uh, why don't we try to do something uh, completely unheard of that, that Jim and I we have tried so hard in the past to do, and we have never ever been able to do. Why don't we try to make this actually positive and constructive? Steady. I know. 
That's a very hard I was, one. I was wondering where you were going with that. Where do you think I was going with that? Um, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. What what have we tried to do that we don't do on the show? Oh, talking about something positive. Oh, exactly. yeah. I thought Did we were going to start making a game. That would be really bad. Oh, my God. No, because I, I, I've been I, doing that all day. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm still doing I'm doing it now. What am I talking about? I'm doing a cover right now. <laughs> no, and actually, if we were doing that, we would be using, you know, your skills and your talent for free, and that's not on. So, no, that that would be really bad. I do that with Jim. Um, yeah, notice he didn't mention me. He, was, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to use your talents for free. I have no talent, so it's okay to use them for free. Well, no, because I I give you ideas for free, and you take them. <laughs> I'm not going to give you ideas. I, you know, I, I don't. I, you know, I, I I don't. I'm not worthy of you know walking the paths of John. But you, in your case, you... <laughs> yeah, just get to work. Exactly. I can't believe I can't believe I introduced you two people. I've just remembered that. Who was doing it? Was it Jim? Was doing a Kickstarter, and I introduced you two. I don't know Did if it was you or, or Alicia, uh, Alisa Faden. I don't know which one of the two were you, but probably. No, I think it was me. Do you know that? Because oh. I was quite cheesed off. I was not on the show. You know, I'm like, what? Just get you together. What am I, you know? Oh, that's true. You're, you're not allowed to be upset at all about that, John. How many times did I say I'd like to be on Ninja Scroll Mountain or whatever it's called? Yeah, that's probably true. You guys yeah, got but it. I know what you're Every like. Episode. I know Every what you're episode. like. I know what you're like, and I know what those guys are like, and it's not a good mix. <laughs> I know some of those people. I know all of those people. Yeah, but the, there are certain things, you know, we, yeah. we all have to pretend very hard. We don't do pay, work for pay on publication and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's certain standards to be kept. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, Paco, let's try and, <laughs> let's, we try and do what yours, what your, I know, let's do what Paco said. Okay, now let's, 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 let's try and um, uh, come up with some sort of um, either workflow or tell people, don't be stupid and don't do this, you know, or if you're doing this, just bloody stop doing it because you're a moron. Um, that doesn't sound positive. Well, it <laughs> sounds quite fun, but I don't know about positive. Look, I have a very strange concept of positivity, okay? Yeah. Let me alone. <laughs> so um, let's, let's, um, let's assume we are a, uh, in, in the face, you know, let's do dragons then. Okay. Uh, Jim, do, do you have that that show in in the, Shark Tank? Shark Tank in the states. We have Shark Tank in America. Okay, well, we, we we're gonna. I'm gonna give you a few scenarios. Okay, and each one of us is gonna come with some sort of scenario, like the ones I'm going to propose here just now. Uh, and we need to be, you know, the dragons or the sharks or whatever it is you, you have in the in the Americas. Um, and tell people, you know, don't you're stupid kind of thing uh, in a in John's case in a very British manner so uh, let's assume we have in front of us a person who has an RPG that sounds very good but it has uh, zero originality and the person is trying to actually sell how original the game is not how good it is how entertaining it is or anything at all like that they're just saying my game is super original look it has dwarves and elves uh, and it has steampunk uh, and it has gods and goddesses but it's super super original what do we tell that person <laughs> no, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do this properly and that's why i started giggling i think this is a very yeah. good idea it's tough because i meet a lot of people like this and and this usually i hide I behind you know i hide behind we don't take unsolicited submissions <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I think I would just if I were on Shark Tank or Dragons or whatever. I think the first thing I'm out. Yeah. As soon as I heard that, I would. No, say. okay, but we need to tell I people think, why. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think let's, it's let's tired. Play. Let's right? go. With I it. think it's a it's a retread of a tired idea. It's been done over and over and over again. You may have a sliver of a new idea in there, and instead of focusing on the sliver of a new idea, you're packaging it under something safe. Oh, get, rid of the safe get rid of the safe part. Get rid of the safe part and focus on the sliver of new ideas. See, that's really good. We're, we're a good double act for this because I'm a bit like, don't worry about being original. There's, you know, there isn't anything original. Um, that that's not a concern at all. But but packaging that sliver of, of originality um, in a bunch of quite safe concepts that that could could work really well. Because okay. <laughs> that's like really sweetening up that pill of you know the because a lot of people don't want innovative products. I'm talking about right. products. I'm sorry. I'm being all. I'm being a bit industry rather than being yeah 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 game no it, it, uh, but, but uh, yeah sorry go on. no product isn't innovative you're absolutely right product is just repackaging right games design is where changes happen where innovation happens and so you, I live in the world of design what what I would actually do and I, I did this for a very old old and dear friend of mine who I've got back in contact with recently who has some amazing games a guy called Dave Weatherall. Um, he is putting together some really very strong stuff, which is very rare to get pitched to. I mean, he was pitching stuff to me that, well, he wasn't necessarily pitching me, he was showing me his game ideas. And normally I'm put in the, in the position where I have to go, look, this is not going to work for, say, Cubicle 7. We wouldn't be interested in buying that game design. If we see something really good, we it's possible. But, but 9 out of 10, well, probably 99 out of 100 is not going to hit the mark. Dave's ideas are too big for us. They have, they need a bigger publisher than us because they really, really, really have legs. I mean, you know, he's, he's already talked to Asmodee and stuff like that, and he's doing some really amazing. Or he has spoken to Asmodee. I'm not claiming he is in any kind of business relationship with them. I don't want to mess anything up for him, but he has spoken to them, you know, and they've taken him seriously. Put it out. Um, is there but, fear that Asmodee is listening, John? Was that your fear? Yeah, I mean, you know, they yeah. would tune in as soon as they heard. You know, I'm sure they listen to you two talk all the time I, to know. I what think to we do. should we should stop and do a shout out to our two listeners right now, Paco. Yes, a- I, Asmo I, and what three? Uh, Gareth and Leonard. Well, yeah, and, and that fellow from Cubicle Seven who grassed us up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Sam. 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 Hey, Sam. Thank you. Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi. Thanks, Sam. We have yeah. three listeners now. Yeah, yeah well, four, four because John also listens to a podcast now. So. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I'm not listening. Not listening. You've gone down one. by having me on the show. You've you've effectively reduced your listenership by 25. <laughs> percent Anyway, so it's uh, terrible business. But what I said to Dave, sorry, cutting you <laughs> off, sorry, short. Edit all that out. It's very boring waffle. Dave is a brilliant game designer. Dave Weatherall. Um, you will see him in future. But anyway, what I said to Dave, it's all about what he wants out of it. So you really, really need to think as: Are you a game designer who wants to be the next big name in? games design do you want to be a publisher do you because these are totally totally different jobs you know do you just want to get some pocket money for games design do you want to build something that grows into an actual business it's all that kind of stuff you know i don't know if they do on shark tank but on on dragon's den they'll often say this isn't an investable opportunity you know this is just this could make you some money it could employ one or two people um but, but it's not an investable opportunity. And the, the, you'd have to scale that down for RPGs because there's not many that can employ one or two people, you know. Um, but it's about it's about what the, the designer wants to do. Um, and possibly if they were making 
it's quite a naive claim, right? That the game that is not actually original is original. I would encourage them to read a bit more widely and look around at what's in the marketplace. Stop worrying about originality um, and go and look at as broader a selection of games as they can because they'll find most of their ideas are probably already out there. Um, and then think about how they can present what they have got that's cool in the best possible light, depending on what they want to do. They might just want to get some people playing their games, in which case photocopy some sheets, put a PDF free on your website, talk about it, you know. I, I, I don't agree with everything you said, John, but I do agree What's with... What's wrong with you? <laughs> Where do we start? Good grief. Where do anyway, we start? Sorry, um, I, I believe that there is a lack of perspective as what to what's been done already when people mm -hmm. are working on these new ideas. Yeah. Um, and I see it all the time. And I see people, they're obsessed with their product and they'll spend years and years and years and years on it. And not only is the idea getting older but it was stale when they started Yeah, sure. because they weren't aware. I saw a guy doing a talisman clone and he'd already spent $5,000 on the art yeah. for his own prototype copy. Bloody hell. And he had the money to do it, right? He was one of these people in the industry that's has enough money to waste on toys and doodads all the time. So he was making this board game and it was talisman, but with the D20 instead of a D6. There's a quite a big, again, I don't want to, tell tales there's quite a big licensed board game at the moment that um i read someone say about it it's just a talisman clone and i was like oof that's right in the nuts isn't it good grief yeah like i really hope that's not the case because ouch you know you can see a lot of money and time and love has been poured into this thing well it's you know it's ron's heartbreakers isn't it you know they've got right. something in there but they're just retreading so much that's gone before i i know people original. that hate the term heartbreaker and I think it's because they don't understand how much, how many heartbreakers that we see being inside the industry, be, seeing these products, having these games pitched to us over and over and over again. There's a reason the term heartbreaker exists, and it's because so many people are chasing that. I really like D&D, but I didn't like the social mechanics, so I designed it. I'm a friend, friends, that this is all we have. It's unfortunate that my computer stopped recording and I didn't realize until we've been talking for another half an hour and catching up was just going to be an absolutely insane task. So my most sincerest of apologies for, for this technical error that I have to find a way to make sure that my software doesn't stop recording without telling me, which is very, very naughty indeed. We will be back very soon, very soon indeed, with uh, more rumblings, more RPG stuff more people and uh, hopefully more goodness hope you've had a good time uh, listening to to our to our silliness and have you learned something and please do send us your comments it would be really great to hear what you have to say i am at gms magazine in twitter and you can also find me in facebook if you so wish and uh, by all means do feel free to contact me over email as well thank you very much once again and uh, we will talk to you very, very soon indeed.